Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of the Biff Bites podcast. I am your loyal host, Adam Scherer, one of the Biff guys, and I am flying solo today. And we are going to talk about CFP exam prep as we come down the home stretch. So where we stand today, we are just a handful of days away from the beginning of the March 2022 cycle. And for all of those students out there that are diligently studying, we thought we'd just give a few extra tips to keep top of mind as you wrap up that studying and prepare for the big exam. So what we wanted to cover today was just the overall landscape of questions on the exam and their difficulty. So it's widely known in financial planning circles that the CFP exam is tough and it takes a lot of preparation. It takes a lot of time, but it is absolutely doable. And so many people each cycle prepare diligently, they get through, they pass. Others don't, but then down the line they pass. Uh, one of the things we wanted you to go into the exam with was a notion just of, of how the different levels of questions fall throughout the exam and Hopefully we're gonna help you consider where you wanna place your emphasis in your study as you're wrapping things up. So what I'll often tell students to do as they're getting ready to, to step into the exam kind of in the week beforehand is to just take a piece of paper, draw a line from left all the way to the right. On one end, put a little hash mark and write easy bucket. On the other end, draw another little hash mark and write very, very difficult bucket. And then put a little hash mark somewhere in between. Now what we've just made is a very rough map of your CFP exam, just along that continuum. So on your exam, for you, the difficulty level of any given question is gonna fall somewhere on that line. And we know just from firsthand experience, uh, being a student ourselves, having seen this exam, that what's lurking out there are questions that are just gonna flat out stump you. They're gonna stop you in your tracks. They're gonna feel impossible. They're gonna leave you totally confused. So expect that. That's gonna be on the right end of your continuum. However, there are also some easy buckets. I'd go so far as to say they're even more identification-based, which is the exception to the rule on the CFP exam, where for the most part, we're at least talking about basic applications of the concepts. But you do have those, those easier buckets, those easy layups, those easy points. And the way that it works throughout the exam is, it's almost like a normal distribution curve is written above, <laughs> above that continuum that we made where the bulk of the questions are gonna be scattered around the center, but you're gonna have some of those outliers to either side, both the easy side and the really challenging side. Now, where we wanna look at first are 
these basic level one questions, more foundational knowledge, more identification based. On this exam, because of how the exam is scored and the cut score on that exam is established, without going into technical terms, the gist of it is you need to get the easy questions. All right, this runs counter to a lot of what you hear in circles. And honestly, the way that a lot of programs are gonna have you trained, they're gonna have you train up to these really challenging, hyper-nuanced, in-the-weeds types of questions. Now, those really difficult questions offer great opportunities to fill in some details. But the points that absolutely matter on this exam are the easy buckets. And it has to do with the process. So basically, when these questions are written, they go through various stages uh, to figure out just how many people with three to five years of financial planning experience with individuals or businesses would know that out of 10, right? Everyone kind of gives a score. It goes along, there's psychometricians that are involved. And then these, these questions get tested with actual live exam. And CFP board looks at the data and they assign a weighting to that, which somehow informs that cut score where we determine who passes and who doesn't. So back to those basic questions. One of the things that myself and the BIF guys emphasize throughout our education is how important that lower level of question is, that easier to get question. And the reason for it is the people that you are competing against in your pool, the people in your cohort, and also the people historically who have taken this exam, you have to look at the percentages of people that are landing that. And you wanna be in that pool. You don't wanna lose ground there. With the hyper difficult questions, everyone's gonna struggle with those. In fact, when they're designed, their, their weighting is different because it's expected that fewer people are really going to get those points. Okay? So fundamentals are key. So what can you do in your study to really true up your fundamentals? Work on your bullet points. Make sure that for a given concept, you have at least three to five super specific but very relevant points. Make sure they're trued up. I mean, if you have a stack of note cards with a bunch of different concepts, just run those down. Make sure it's almost automatic at this point, really fast, and the likelihood of you getting those points is really high. So what's an example of this? Uh, let's look to our PNC insurance. So which homeowner's form is going to be used by renters? This is the level we're talking about here. And I'll give you a moment, but that should have come to mind for our, our March cohort, right? And it's an HO4 form that's for renters. Okay, so that's an example of, of that type of question. Now, in the middle, in the, the, the bulk of that bell curve in terms of difficulty on your CFP exam, that's where you're going to see most of the exam action. And what defines this portion of our continuum and our exam prep bell curve, right? Is that 
These questions are at the level of application. So it's not just identific identification, it's not just pointing out some facts. It's actually applying those facts and working with some numbers and putting that into action, whether it's through a calculation or through the development of a recommendation, <clears throat> given a, a small set of facts about a person or a business. So you're gonna see the bulk of, of your exam action there. And what you need to do is take a step up from your identification foundational level in order to master that set of questions. But notice it all starts from your foundations because what you're doing in this area of your exam for any of the questions that are basic applications of concepts, you're taking a couple of different bullet points from a concept and then you are applying them to a person, a situation, a business. All right, so what can be an example of, of this? Uh, let's look to net investment income tax and that 3.8% tax that could be applied to different individuals. So here, we understand that if we have investment income, that with certain modified adjusted gross income thresholds, which vary depending on your filing status, that there could be an extra 3.8% surtax put on that net investment income, right? So we understand the basics. What we also need to know there is what's considered net investment income. And in this case, it's gonna be interest, dividends, cap gains, non-qualified annuities, rental and royalty income. Okay, so those are examples of what would be considered investment income. You also have to be aware of what's not investment income, right? So wages, unemployment comp, social security benefits, tax exempt interest, self-employment income, alimony, any operating income from a business. So these are not investment income. But notice, there's our foundation, right? We know that this tax could apply. We also have to keep an eye out for what is investment income, what's not investment income. We also have to monitor these thresholds for the filing status because the rule that we have to arrive at with this concept is that the 3.8 surtax on net investment income applies to the lesser of the net investment income or the excess amount of modified adjusted gross income over the threshold amounts. All right, so this is an area where if we tied some numbers to this, we could see a CFP exam question that in my mind, it's not really at the midpoint, it kind of trends a little bit to the more difficult side, but this is just to illustrate how the concepts that we know come together in the form of a question. So what you might see is a couple uh, that has $275,000 in wages. They have $25,000 of net investment income. And altogether, their modified adjusted gross income is 300,000. So what do we have to do? If we're looking to calculate the 3.8 surtax on that net investment income, 
we have to take a look at the couple's filing status. They filed jointly, which means their threshold amount is at 250,000, which also means that their modified adjusted gross income, right? It is exceeding that by $50,000. They had $25,000 of net investment income. And here's where you apply the rule. The tax applies to the lesser of the net investment income, the modified adjusted gross income over 250,000. So it's gonna to apply to the 25,000. You do the math, it's $950 in additional tax. But do you see how our knowledge of some of the basics all come together? And this is one of the reasons why, why taxes can feel so daunting is that in order to get to the point of application, you have to know a lot of the underlying principles. But tying it back to your exam prep, do you see how knowing the basics on this concept can allow you to take a step-by-step -step approach to getting to the point of application? So for example, if you knew what net investment income meant in the eyes of the IRS, you knew what non-investment income items were, you could potentially have some points there. If you knew the rate that would be applied with this extra surtax being 3.8, there's some extra potential points there too. How about funneling in the threshold amounts for the different filing statuses? Putting that all together and applying that rule that for the 3.8 surtax on net investment income, it's the lesser of net investment income or the excess magi over whatever that threshold amount is, okay? So a little more robust there. That is a moderately difficult question in my opinion. And there could be something that's an outlier that is completely out there that catches you by surprise. And with those super difficult ones, grapple with those as much as you can. You know, really lean into your basics there. What's in your toolkit? What can you use? Can you get a little chippy and use some exam strategies to help you strike out some answers and increase your odds? And if you can't, you just give it your best guess and you move along. All right, so as you finish out your studies, the whole point of this discussion really is to reinforce you know, just like anyone practicing anything, that your foundation is so critical. And in my opinion, in the opinion of the Biff guys, that there's only upside that you can, you can gain by reinforcing the basics at this point. And don't get too caught up in the weeds. And honestly, if you are feeling really lost on the topic, make a very short list of things that you're willing to let go at this point. Because it's not worth the stress of trying to cram knowledge into your mind, which is already kind of filled up with, with CFP knowledge, right? You can put a couple of those to the side and we'll be just fine. So to bring things full circle, we have a continuum of questions of different difficulty levels. Our recommendation is you spend some of your time now just running down your bullet points. 
just quiz yourself on what are the key factors. Because by knowing that, you have a toolkit of facts that can be applied to scenarios to help you arrive at the best answer. For all of those of you that are pursuing the marks right now, this is a good one to just put a pin in and come back to, and we hope you listen to it down the line. Uh, continue to send your questions into myself and the BIF team, uh, but we're, we're along for the ride here for all those March students. So for those of you sitting in March, if you happen to hear this, you have a little bit of time, be sure you reach out to us. Give us a shout, all right? Uh, we'd be happy to hear from you and offer any advice, wisdom, or just lend a, a listening ear at this point. We know how stressful it can be. But keep calm and, uh, and carry right along and study on. And uh, we look forward to hearing about your exam success. We'll be back with a couple more exam-related episodes, so stay tuned for those. But for now, just take care. Talk to you soon. Mm -hmm.